Resurrection practical today. We just discussed the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for us, our day-to-day life, how especially we live away from death, not towards it. Thanks for downloading the, the podcast here at Cross Defense. So happy that you're with me. Here's the show. Praised for his mercy and his kindness and his love for us. Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Hallelujah. God be praised for that. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, uh, pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Death Lutheran Churches and Austin, Texas, and your host uh, here on Cross Defense every Monday afternoon, discussing curious theology to fight back the, the temptation. Oh, the devil loves this. The devil's always tempting us towards theological boredom. But how could, how could that possibly be the case? I mean, imagine, just for example, imagine that one day, dear friends, you are going to stand there next to Jesus, his risen body next to your risen body. Now, this is as real as it gets, as true as it gets, as sure as it gets, that Jesus is surely risen from the dead. I've been reflecting on this. We're going to tell some stories about We're going to try to make this show about the practical aspects of the resurrection. We'll see how we can do that. Um, and, and, and see if we can press on on some of the things that um, some, some of the, the, the things that the resurrection means for our living. In other words, it's, we don't want to take the resurrection as a as a sort of Oh, just a whatever kind of a, a long time ago fact that doesn't matter today. I mean, this is this is what matters. I mean, the resurrection is what matters for us. The resurrection is the thing that that uh, that gives us hope and peace and comfort and joy and everything else like this. I mean, the resurrection, the resurrection is what is what f- fires the Christian imagination. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is what is what enlivens our consciences. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is uh, is our comfort and our hope and our peace. There's this ancient prayer. Where did I see that today? Somewhere I was reading through something, some ancient prayer about how Jesus um, how Jesus gives us the the sureness of his crucifixion and the comfort of his resurrection. The sureness of his crucifixion and the comfort of his resurrection. And that is so fantastically important. That the resurrection is, is to comfort us. In other words, it's not a secret. The resurrection is not, a, it, it, it's not intended for it to be, to, to be far away. But that Jesus wants to be as near to us now as he was to Thomas and the other disciples and so forth. So the resurrection is a, is a glorious, comforting uh, a doctrine, and, and we want to we reflect on that on today's show on Cross Defense. And I might tell some stories about it. In fact, okay, so here's the first story. Let me, let me see if I can press in on this a little bit. Uh, I remember I was driving. We were driving from South Africa to Botswana. This was, oh, I was a baby pastor. Uh, this must have been 15 years ago or something like that. And we had gone down to South Africa to um, to visit the seminary there in Tishwani. 
Pretoria, South Africa, and we were going to visit one of the missionaries who was serving in Botswana. And so we were driving over to Botswana, and uh, the missionary was telling us a story about how he first came to this particular village and preached the gospel to him. And he said it was, it was unlike anything he had ever experienced before because as he went to this village, he found that they had never heard, they'd never seen a Bible, they'd never met a Christian, they'd never heard any of these things, any of the good news, any of the gospel truths. And so he went and he was telling them the gospel. And, and he said it was stunning because, because the people were reacting to these events with with no without knowing what was happening next so he says they were they were uh, stunned by the virgin birth i mean by the fact that jesus was born in such a humble way but in such a miraculous way and they were amazed by the teaching of jesus and by the miracles of jesus and they were filled with indignation as he told them of the suffering of jesus and as he told the story of the of the beating of Jesus, of all the Lent kind of stuff, the Passion Week sort of stuff, they were they were enraged. In fact, he said some some of the people were standing up and they were yelling, "How how could they do that? How could they betray him? How could they do that to the to he's? Don't they know who he is?" They were just livid at this. And then he told them about the death of Jesus, and the people were weeping, as if they had just lost a friend. They were inconsolable until he told them about the resurrection. And as he reported that the women came to the tomb on the third day and that they found the tomb empty, the people were looking around, and then and they came and they saw, and the angel said that he's risen. And then, and then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and and then he appears to the disciples in the upper room. And and this missionary, as he's telling me this story, he says, he says, Brian, they stood up and they were dancing around with this great joy. That that Jesus is living. Now can you imagine that? I mean, hearing this for the very first time, and the Holy Spirit creating faith so that you're believing these words that are being spoken, and that you're rejoicing in them. And they're jumping up and down, and they're singing, Alleluia, and they're, and they're praising the Lord for this. Because now they know, they, and they know that, that, that this, this great event that happened to Jesus now has also happened for them. I wish I wish we could go back uh, uh, and and kind of dial all the way back and um, and 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 set our own ma imaginations on fire in the same way, as if we were hearing the 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 events, the history of the reformation of the of the resurrection of Jesus for the very first time ourselves. Hearing of the empty tomb and wandering. Hearing of the preaching of the angels and, and being curious about it. Hearing of the, of the visit of Jesus to his disciples. 
that this would this would wash over us as well as as a as a new thing can you can you imagine just the the joy of it and the comfort of it every every culture has a theology of the afterlife in fact i was i was reading about it this morning in the old uh encyclopedia of of religion and ethics this old big monster thing i was i was reading about the the idea of the of the afterlife that even primitive cultures have that you know everybody has an idea of the of the afterlife because everybody has to has to wrestle with the fact that we're dying and everybody has to has to look at the fact that we're dying and has to say not and then what what is next and all of us are are marching towards that ignore it as we might what is next as far as i can tell there's there's four major answers that different religious traditions will give uh, to that question what happens after death there's the old Greek Gnostic idea of the immortality of the soul that says that some part of us lives on, not our physical part, but our spiritual part. That's the Eastern idea as well, that you get absorbed into the greater being, into the mind or the noose or nirvana, that you lose your identity, that your own self-borders break down and you live on in something greater. That's the Gnostic idea. I think we have a semi-Gnostic idea just in general in the world because we have this idea that our soul lives on as an individual, but the soul lives on, the body's done. In fact, we have this, we have this, it, it, of, of the four different ideas of what happens to the body, three of them are going to say when you're dead, you're done with your body. The Gnostics, you're done with your body. There's the totally godless secular idea that dead is dead. After you die, you're done. There's nothing left. After that, you're just, you cease to exist. There's the, the reincarnation idea of Hinduism, that you come back as something else. Strange. I'm not, the transmigration of the soul. It's funny how, it's funny how popular that idea is. I mean, Hinduism is not that popular. I mean, I suppose it is in India, but around here, you know, there's not that many people who are real hardcore Hindus, but the idea of reincarnation has really captured the imagination of the world. I don't I and I don't know why. If anybody knows why, I'd love to I'd love to have insight onto that. Why reincarnation strikes us so much. I mean, I think it's the idea that we know that this world is not enough, that there has to be justice that happens after death, but we can't imagine the divine justice. So what happens? Well, you just come back as... Who knows? And then you have the Christian idea of the resurrection. Suppose that some parts of Judaism and some parts of Islam also share the idea of the resurrection, but that is that eternal life is a bod embodied life. That that eternal life is with this with this particular body that there is a way out of death for us as individuals 
And this is what the resurrection of Jesus, at least the, the, the most basic doctrine, this is what the resurrection of Jesus means. There's a sense that every person you just watch as you live life, you see people go into the grave, 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 into the, and nobody comes out. It's a one-way street. And it's been like that throughout all history until Jesus. Until Jesus makes a way through the grave. What was before this what was before this, a cave, now becomes a tunnel. <laughs> and Jesus has made a highway through the grave and up out through the other side. Now Im imagine then hearing that for the first time. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> I mean, it almost brings a tear to my own eye to just imagine these people here, that, that here our great enemy, death, has been defeated has been overcome, that he has triumphed over death, and that we will share in that triumph. Now, the Bible captures this idea of our share in Jesus' triumph over death. It captures that idea with the language of first fruits. Jesus, says St. Paul, in a couple of places, Jesus is the first fruits of them that sleep. The idea is if you go and, you know, you plant something, it's springtime, so you go and you plant something, and you're not sure if the seed is good or not until the first fruits come up. And then when the first fruits come up, you see, ah, the seed is good, and the rest will grow up as well. So that Jesus is the first fruits of them that sleep. He is the first fruits of them that die. He is the first seed to sprout, but the rest is to follow. And the idea of the last day as a harvest day is profound here, that we also will be, will be raised. I, tried to, I remember I tried to illustrate this with a, a picture uh, when I was doing a chapel service at school. This was years ago. And I got the Easter lily. It was just a beautiful flower. And I pulled it out of the dirt, and I, and I looked at what was underneath now, I, I've only done this once. I've never seen the bulb or the root of an Easter lily except for this one time. So I do not know if every Easter lily has really ugly roots or if it was just this particular, uh, if this, it was just this particular Easter lily, but it was, it was ugly. It was really, it looked like a wadded up kind of mangled mess of, looked like just someone's brain. It was just... It was an ugly sort of thing. So here was this ugly root and this beautiful, beautiful flower. And this is the picture that Paul uses for the resurrection. That we're planted, more, our, our mortality is buried, and, we raised, and we're raised to life immortal. Now that matters. I mean, it matters. If you go into, into the grave as a dead end or as a tunnel, it matters when you're going into the grave if you know that you're going to be able to come out. It matters for how you think. It matters for how you live. It matters for how you die. It matters in every single way to know that Jesus has triumphed over death. So I want to press on that a little bit more uh, today as we reflect on this.
Thanks for being here, by the way. You're listening to Cross Defense. It's already t- I can't believe it. it's already time for our first break. We're going to take it now. It's a short one, though. So let's go to this break, and we'll be back. And I want to th- think of a couple more stories to reflect on the practical nature of the resurrection. Thanks for being with me. You're listening to Cross Defense. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller here. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. In this season of life, when everything seems to be constantly changing, one thing remains the same, the promises of God given to us in the Word of Christ. I'm Sarah Golseth, a digital media specialist for KFUO Radio, here at home in my spare room, to remind you all the ways you can hear the Word of Christ on KFUO Radio from wherever you call home. Our daily broadcast at KFUO.org includes talk programs, sacred music, daily chapel services, weekend worship services, and Bible studies. Our on-demand library includes many of our broadcast programs, in addition to podcasts from LC partners. You and your family can stream KFUO Radio at KFUO.org or on the TuneIn app. You can even ask your smart speaker to play KFUO Radio. You can also pull up your favorite podcast app and search for KFUO Radio to find all of our available podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest updates as well as daily Bible verses and hymns. We are KFUO Radio, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere at KFUO.org. Right, welcome back to Cross Defense. God be praised for his mercy towards us in Christ that we rejoice that Jesus has risen, risen indeed, and risen not for himself. This is the point. I was I told the story the first segment about the this uh tribe in um in South and in Botswana, hearing the gospel for the first time and dancing as they rejoice in it. There's this lightheartedness that comes from knowing that Jesus is the Jesus is the resurrection and the life that he has overcome sin, death, and the grave, and that he's done so for us, that he has defeated death as an enemy. This is how the, all these great songs of like Christian warfare have this idea of Jesus going out to fight for us. In fact, this is the picture of Psalm 46. Remember Psalm 46? I love this Psalm 46 picture. Is that, is that here we're in the city of God, and, and we're safe, even though the armies are gathered around everywhere outside of us. We're safe. Why? Because God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. But, but then, as we're living safely in the city of God, as he's our protector and our defender, what happens? We're, we're, we're sitting there, minding our own business, and then someone calls us up to the city, to the city walls. 
and we run up to the city walls and we look and god who was in our midst has gone out and now he's fighting all of the armies gathered all around us and as he's breaking the beer the the breaking the bow and breaking the spear and setting the chariots on fire, he turns back and looks to us, standing on the city wall, watching with eyes wide open, amazed at his triumph. He turns back and stands and says to us, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted uh, in the earth. In other words, Jesus, as he's out there destroying our enemies, says, You guys just watch this. And that's what happens at Easter. Watch this. And he goes and destroys death. Watch this. And he goes and overcomes overcomes the grave. Watch this. And he pays the price for our sins. We stand like Mary and John and the women gathered at the cross uh, in amazement. And then back at the tomb, in amazement. <laughs> Rejoicing that he's overcome these these great victors for us, these great enemies, these great whatever it is that comes against us. He's destroyed them. He is our champion. So we say that he holds the field forever. Jesus has gone and won the victory. He's done it. (laughs) And Easter has this great, this great triumph to it. The Easter hymns, we were, we were singing some of these Easter hymns on Sunday. The, the, this, the, now is the victory won. Now is the day of triumph. Even, even before you and I were born, this day of triumph is there. And it radiates, it, it echoes. It's like, the, it's like the, the sound of this triumph just carries us along with joy. Remember this story of being lined up to go through the curtain? This is this is the this is this picture of being in line and you're there the lines going tuk 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 and and everyone at the front of the line goes through the curtain and you see the shadow of the person boom hitting their head and then poof, dragging them off and poof and you do not want to be in this line but here it goes you're in the line you're in the line and then someone cuts in front of you and they go through the curtain and they're knocked over and they fall away but then they stand back up and then they take the sledgehammer and they beat the beast down and they are waiting for you now on the other side this is what Jesus has done for us he's gone through already he's gone through death he's destroyed him who has the power of death that is the devil hebrews chapter 2 and he now waits for us the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but praise be to god who gives us the victory in our lord jesus christ so that we can say oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting it's gone it's gone it's like a lion with the teeth knocked out of it just can gum you (laughs) there's the there's no more sting in death because of what Christ has done. God be praised. God be praised. Now, this has very practical uh, ramifications in our life. I'll tell you the story. I found this today. This, there's an there's a old family legend. My grandfather, on the Wolfmuller side, my dad's dad, uh, he was nicknamed Wolf when he was a fighter pilot in World War II. He flew P-38s. And there was this, in our family, this long legend that he was interviewed in the New Yorker magazine. And we had found it years ago, and I had 
I went looking for it and I found it again today. This was a legend, uh, uh, kind of a myth, because my grandfather wouldn't share it with us because they interviewed him as he crash-landed his P-38 in North Africa with one engine with shrapnel in his arm, and he jumps off the plane and the guy interviews him. And so his language, and I was reminded in reading the article today, his language is somewhat colorful. And he was a bit ashamed of that, so he would never share it with, I think even with my dad and my aunts and, and my uncle and uh, and with us. But I found it. I want to read a couple of pieces for you because this, now, and this is going to have a, hopefully, a point. This guy is, he's just arrives, he's in Tanzania, and he's, and he's at this, and the base is an airfield, and it, and they're repairing these things. And um, he, he talks about the the chaplain who's who's there. This I thought this was kind of a cool description of the chaplain. Um, he wore an outsized tin hat all the time. Quote, I know a chaplain's not supposed to be a combatant. He said, but if a parachute troops, but if parachute troops came to my tent by night, they'd shoot at me because they wouldn't know I was a chaplain. And I want something solid on my head. He had a deep hole dug in front of his tent sometimes, towards dusk, when German planes were expected. He would stand in it, waiting and smoking a cigar, with the glowing end of it just clearing the hole. <laughs> That's cool. Now he describes, uh, he's, he's talking to some of the mechanics, and, he, and here's the story of the mechanics talking about these P-38s. This is Lieutenant Holly's plane, one of them said. We just finished putting a new wing on it. That counts as just a little repair job out here. At home, if a plane was hurt like that, they would send it back to the factory or take it apart for salvage. All we do here is drive a two-and-a-half-ton truck up under the damaged wing and lift it off. We put the new wing on the truck and run it alongside the plane and fix the, up that $80,000 airplane like we were sticking together a radio set. We think nothing of it. It's a great ship, the, the 38, rugged. You know how this one got hurt? Lieutenant Holly was strafing some with some trucks, and he came in to attack so low he hit his right wing against a telephone pole. Any other plane, that wing would have come right off there. Hitting that pole that way flipped him over on his back, and he was flying upside down ten feet off the ground. He gripped the stick so hard the inside of his hand was black and blue for a week afterwards, and she come right side up, and he flew her home. <laughs> now that is crazy. <laughs> now that's crazy. Now my grandpa comes in at the end of the end of the story. Uh, he, a wolf was coming from the field toward the operation shack, and when it got nearer, we could see wolf in it. He looked excited. He was holding his right forearm with his left hand. When his jeep got up to the shack, he jumped out, still holding his arm. Is that a bullet hole? Gusty asked. You're right. It's a bullet hole. Wolf shouted. The P40s are are up there. As we came in, we saw four fighters. I'm cleaning this up a little bit. We saw four fighters coming in the opposite direction, and Mofat and I went up to look at them, and they were P-40s coming away. The other fellows was on deck, and we started to get down near them, about 5,000. And these 190s came out of the sun and hit Moffat and me at the first burst, and went down after the others. There was ground fire coming up at us too, and they said we were going to be over friendly territory. I'm lucky not to be killed. Did we get any of them? I don't know if we got any, Wolf said, but I saw at least four planes burning on the ground. I don't know who they were. And then it goes on to describe the conversation. A couple of days later, here ends. He said, a couple of days later, I learned that Holly had bailed out in disputed territory, made his way back to our lines, but the other two boys are either dead or prisoners. March 20th, 
1943. Now that was, of course, long before I knew my grandfather. But whenever I met him, 30, 40 years after that particular event, he was always filled, filled with a sort of pervasive lightheartedness. And I never quite understood it. I just knew there's something different about my grandfather. This this different way that he was, uh, that he just carried himself. And and I think I started to piece it together at his funeral. Because his funeral text, and I was still pretty young. I was just a, a barely a teenager when he died. And uh, but I remember still his funeral text was from the was the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives us the instructions to not worry. And as the pastor and as my my dad and my aunts and uncles reflected on this, they put these the pieces together that my grandfather said, I should have died already. I mean, all of his troop that went off to war in the Pacific, none of them came back. Most of the guys that he went over to... To the, to the European theater, never came back. He was shot. He limped home in, a, in one engine. He crash-landed. He should have been... He should have, he should have died. And he didn't. And so he thought of every day as a gift. The d death, in other words, was behind him. <laughs> he, it, it had already, as far as he was concerned, it, would, it had already happened. And so that every day was a was a gift. Now there's something of that little lightheartedness that my grandfather had. There's something of that. You gotta take that and you gotta multiply it times a hundred with Jesus. Because Jesus has truly now, after the resurrection, he's left death behind. Christ dies no more, says Saint Paul. His death has already happened. And that, that idea that death has already occurred, that is how we also are supposed to live as Christians. Now the text for this, just think about this here. The text for this is Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Now we know this text really well. I mean, we have this text in the catechism. This text is the text that tells us what does baptism mean. Paul says, and I'll start with verse 1 to make sure we got the context here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Do you hear what it said? We were buried already with Christ. If you want to picture that, I mean, if you want to just 
meditate on that and grab a hold of that picture for a little bit. It's really quite amazing. Just imagine yourself being lowered from the cross. Imagine yourself being hastily wrapped at the foot of the cross. Imagine yourself with a couple of guys being carried to the empty tomb. Imagine yourself, Jesus is being, you're going in there with him. And, the, and it's a watery door. You're being carried through that watery door into death. That's what baptism is. Baptism is you being buried with Jesus. So that you have, you who are baptized, have already died. It's already happened. It's already done. You were buried already. And you've been raised already. So that the Christian truly, spiritually, but truly looks not forward to death, but backwards at death. I no longer live, says St. Paul, but Christ lives in me. And the death I live in the body, I live for the Son of God. This idea that when Jesus was crucified, we also were crucified with him and raised with him and that we're seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, Ephesians 2, already with him so that death has already happened. Now, this, this pervasive sort of don't have to die anymore, death is done, th this is the basis for the Christian who now lives a new life. There's an old cat, and I've, al I've always wanted to preach this sermon. I don't know how to do it. So now I just talk about it here with you guys. But there's this old, uh, what is it, existentialist category. They have this idea of the thrownness. You just kind of show up. You don't have any choice about it. You just show up in the world. And they have the, another category, which is like on being towards death. And that means that every day we're pressing a little bit closer to our death. And everyone is headed towards death. That's the vector. And so that shapes the way we live. Well, the Christian has that reversed. We're not living towards death. We're living away from it. We're not, we're living, not, we're not living towards the grave. We're living away from the font. Pew, shooting into, the, into eternal life. Where we'll live forever with Christ. Now, that is a stunning way to think about life. And Paul calls it a new life, that you may live a new life. In fact, if you want to pin down the, the teaching of the New Testament, one of the ways that you can do it is this. You can say that Jesus teaches us a new way to be human. Can you, can, you, can you imagine that? There's, there's a new way to be human. A new way to be a, a person. A new way to participate in this life. And Jesus has given it to us. It's not the old dying way. It's the new living way. It's not the old... Um, it's not the old sinning way. It's the new serving way. I'm now making that up, but... I'm suspicious because the letters are the same, so I, I sound like a, a, a TV preacher. <laughs> but there's a so that there's just there's a new way of being human. This comes up a couple of times in the scripture text. Do we have time to do this? How much? Time? Oh yeah, we got three minutes. This comes up a number of times in uh, in the scriptures. This idea of living a new life. Here's maybe the main one, which is my favorite. Second Corinthians chapter five. This is where Paul talks about being, uh, oh, two minutes. I'm getting a two-minute warning. Well, let me read you this text, and then we'll kind of dig into it a little bit more. Second Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is, for, this is for you and for me. That we are part of the new creation. Created, St. Paul says, after the image of God. <laughs> that we have a new, a new life, a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new, a new way of speaking and acting. Because we're not headed towards the grave, we're headed away from it. Well, let's push on that a little bit more. Uh, after the break, you're listening to Cross Defense. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, rejoicing that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Short break. We'll be right back. On this Monday, April 20th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Randy and Joan Roth of St. Mary, Missouri, as they give thanks for their 35th wedding anniversary today. Randy and Joan made a gift to KFUO Radio in thanksgiving to the Lord for his many blessings throughout their 35 years together. Thank you, Randy and Joan Roth, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO day sponsors. Each weekday on the Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of Living Boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. And take they our life, Martin Luther's Theology of Martyrdom. That's a new book I just published a couple of weeks ago. It goes through Luther's surprisingly robust teaching about the martyrs. And I think this is so helpful for us. One of the problems with Christianity today is it's a bit tepid. We've lost the, the gusto of the martyrs who gladly stood up and gave their life for what they believed. But meditating on these stories... And on these accounts of these Christian heroes really does help strengthen our faith. Martin Luther saw the benefit of it and talked a lot about the martyrs. So we look at what he thought about them and rejoice in what that means for us. You can buy that book or download it for free, wolfmuller.co slash life. That's where you can find it, wolfmuller.co slash life, and read all about it there. I hope you find it interesting. I'd love to get your feedback. Thanks. Let's go back to the show. Welcome back to CrossFit. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches uh, here in Austin, Texas. God be praised for his mercy and his kindness uh, towards us in Christ as we continue to celebrate. Talking about today, the practical side of the resurrection, we're talking about how we're not, we who are in Christ are, are raised already and we're headed towards the, the eternal resurrection. If you remember, the book of Revelation has this little riddle. And it says, the one who partakes in the first resurrection will not partake of the second death. Now, now you kind of, I should spin a little bit. What, what the, what's going on there? The first if you partake of the first resurrection, then you do not partake of the second death. Well, the, the, the two resurrections and the two deaths are these. 
There's the first resurrection, which is baptism, Romans 6. The second resurrection is the resurrection of the dead. The first death is physical death, body and soul separated. And the second death is the eternal torment of the unbeliever. So the book of Reve the Revelation tells us that if you partake of the first resurrection, everybody partakes of the second resurrection. Everybody's risen from the dead. Everybody partakes of the first death. Everybody dies physically. But if you partake of the first resurrection, you will not partake of the second death. In other words, if you are baptized, if you are raised with Christ, if you are resurrected by faith in the promise of God, then you will not die eternally. Now that is wonderful. But we live in the, in the time, and here's, and here's maybe the kind of the sprint towards the finish line of the show today. We live in the time between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of everything. Paul tells us, the best verse for this is Romans 8, that says that all creation is groaning, waiting for the redemption of our bodies. It's this, like the whole creation was subjected to futility in hope because it knows that there's a day coming, the great day of the resurrection that's on the way. Oh, that is good. So the resurrection is coming. We give thanks to God for that that the resurrection of everything is coming but we're in we're in the in between time it's like um you know there's a gap between between lightning and thunder and 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 we're in the gap between it but you just got to reverse it you know the lightning you see the lightning and then you hear the lightning you see the lightning you hear the thunder they're the same event but they're separated you see it first and then you hear it unless you're close okay so I'll, one more story i got Two story. I'll tell you a third story. This, this is a short one. When me and Andrew were almost struck by lightning. Now we weren't almost struck by lightning, but we were standing on our back porch, uh, and it was raining like crazy. I mean, it was hail was coming down, and and I'd never really seen a storm like that. I mean, it was as as crazy as it got. And so, so I said, Andrew, come out here. And we were out on the back patio, just watching this rain and hail come down. And all of a sudden, lightning struck the tree in the corner of our backyard, probably 20 feet away from us. And I mean, it struck hard. Ba-boom! And, uh, and I don't know what happened to me. I kind of, I went nuts. I think Andrew and I both jumped like three feet in the air. And I, and it just, I, I was so wired that I started running around the yard in the rain and hail and everything, just kind of yelling, Wah! I just kind of went nuts for a couple seconds. And Carrie came out and said, what, are, get in the house. It was, it was kind of because that tree had grown up around a piece of edging. And so there was metal in the middle of it. And so the lightning came down and had gone whoosh and hit that. And it had kind of gone outside. It was, it was kind of, it was amazing to see. And the tree lived through the lightning strikes. Great. Anyway, uh, the, uh, that was as close as you could get, and there was no gap between the sound and the sight. It was just one. But normally when, you, when the lightning strikes, you know there's this gap between it. So you see it, and then we as kids, we'd count one Mississippi doom to see how many miles away the lightning was, was striking. Well, if you take that and reverse it, that's what we have, is that when, when Jesus is raised, then... The whole universe is raised. We just don't see it yet. We hear it first, and we'll see it on the last day. So it's like we're waiting for the, it's like we're waiting for the lightning to catch up to the thunder. 
Jesus has announced it. It's finished. It's over. I'm risen. The victory belongs to him. He's won. And yet we don't see it. That's how Hebrews 2, remember how Hebrews 2 talks about this? Hebrews 2 is a particularly important chapter uh, for us to get our head around. And there's a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 2 that are just unforgettable. Starting with verse 14. So we'll look at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, and, and then we'll go backwards to get this point. Hebrews 2, 14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that means he was incarnate, he has flesh and blood like we do, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now there's a couple of things here. Number one, Jesus says that the fear of death is bondage. If we're afraid of dying, we're living in bondage, and bond, a particular bondage, a bondage to the devil. It's something for us to meditate on that. And that the, the gift, one of the chief gifts of the death of Jesus is that he sets us free from the fear of death. Why? Why? Because the fear of death is, I mean, dying is one thing, like the physical process of dying and the pain of dying, that's one thing. But the real fear of death is the judgment that we face on the other side. So we know to, to, it's appointed for man to die once and then to be judged, so that to die is to go to judgment. And that is a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing for, for all the things that I've done wrong to be posted up against my own account. But Jesus has taken that handwriting of requirements, the debt that the law has, he's taken it, and he has nailed it to the cross. And we preach this all the time, but you just got to imagine, like all your sins are on a list, and Jesus has it in his hands as his hands are nailed to the cross. Colossians 2. So that he's taken away that sin that requires, so that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We, there is no judgment. They will not, Jesus says it in John chapter 5, you will not come into judgment. In fact, that's a verse that's so good you've got to hear it, otherwise you won't believe me. So, so keep your finger on Hebrews chapter 2. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 5. Uh, verse 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now how glorious is that? You know all these jokes about coming to the gates of the pearly gates and there's Peter there waiting and there's the judgment day that's going to happen. It's happened already. Your judgment day was the day that Jesus died. And the verdict was spoken on the day that he was risen. That you are declared holy and innocent by his mercy, by his love, by, by his death. So that there's no fear in death now because there's no judgment for the Christian. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now there are passages that talk about how we will be judged on the last day. And you say, well, Pastor, how do, how do you match that up? And you say there's no judgment, and they hear these passages say there's judgment. Well, there's a judgment, but the judgment is righteous. The judgment is innocent. The judgment is that you're holy. So when Jesus says there's no judgment, he says there's no negative judgment. You're not going to come under judgment. You're not going to be condemned by judgment. You're going to be judged to be in the right place. When you get to heaven, the judgment will be, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy prepared for you by my Father. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, says Jesus. If it were not so, I would tell you, I go to prepare a place for you. Stunning. Stunning. 
so that Jesus has taken on flesh and blood, back to Hebrews 2, Jesus has taken on flesh and blood so that he could destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil. So that death is destroyed, the devil is destroyed, sin is destroyed, this everlasting life has come already. And then you say, but wait a minute, look around, it's, things are a mess. So for that, we just got to make sure we, do, we read the whole chapter, starting in chapter 2, verse 8. It's, it quotes Psalm 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. And then it says this, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now, but now, we do not yet see the things put under him. We just don't see it yet. It's happened. Jesus has won the victory. Jesus has destroyed the devil. Jesus has, has opened the way to everlasting life. Jesus has given to us the resurrection, but we just don't see it. So we walk by faith and not by sight. We're in between. We're in between the thunder and the lightning. We're in between the first fruits and the full harvest. We're in between the open grave of Jesus and our own open grave and the open grave of every person. We are between the inauguration and the arrival of the new heavens and the new earth. We're living in the in-between. And that means that we can have an eye on the joy that is to come. We can have an eye on the hope yet to be revealed. And we can also have an eye on this creation because this is the creation that will be raised. This is the body that will be raised. There's this idea, this Gnostic idea that that, that theology or, 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 or religion is all out there. It all has to do with the spiritual. I can be gone from it. But as soon as Jesus takes upon flesh and blood, and as soon as Jesus takes that flesh and blood up out of the grave, then he is also binding us up to this creation that is being made new. So we can work and serve and live and die and bless and sing and dance and rejoice and live create and sleep eat and and drink and weep and laugh and serve and love we can do all of these things in the name of Jesus while we wait for the resurrection and we can do it all with this sort of light-hearted confidence that as it goes with Jesus so it will go with us that death is already behind us <laughs> that de that death that our death even has already happened and that we are in the in the most real and profound way already seated with Christ in the heavenly places do i have time to show you that verse i think i do looking at the clock ephesians chapter 2 is what comes to mind and let's just double check that this is there that we have we are raised with Christ set your mind on things above for you have been raised with Christ that's how I think this goes. Yes. But God, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with him. I got to get my glasses. This is, man, am I getting old. In the resurrection, I don't think we'll need glasses. He made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God this is all this past tense stuff it's amazing you have been raised you have been made to sit together in the heavenly places and in the age to come you will see it the exceeding riches of though of his grace and the kindness towards us in Christ because everything dear friends everything that Jesus did in his death and his resurrection and in his ascension everything was not for his benefit it was for yours so may this give you joy. May we hear the news that Jesus is risen like those, like those folks in Botswana for the first time and dance for joy. So Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He's overcome death. He's forgiven sins. He's done it all. And he's done it all for you. God be praised. And thanks for listening. To, I can't believe it's over. Thanks for listening to Cross Defense. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of of uh, St. Paul and Jesus Teff Lutheran Churches here in Austin, Texas, author of the book and Take They Our Life, Martin Luther's Theology of the Martyrs. You can download a copy of that for free at the website, wolfmuller.co. There's a lot of other stuff there, including the worldwide Bible study. You can join us live for that on Tuesday mornings, Texas time. So make plans to join us for that. And thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Love to hear your comments and your feedback and your thoughts. Uh, on this, again, the best way to get a hold of me is probably also at the website, wolfmuller.co slash contact. That still comes, until I can get someone to read my email for me, that still comes to me. So uh, you can send me notes and uh, and get a hold of me there. I'd love to hear topics, things you'd like to talk about, uh, study and rejoice in as well. So thanks again for being part of the fun. And again, God's peace be with you. Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Hallelujah. Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org. Ah, oh, Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Thanks again for downloading the Cross Defense podcast as we continue to celebrate, bask in the joy of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope there were some helpful things in the show today for you. If you have comments and feedback, that can all happen at wolfmuller.co slash contact. I think that's the way that to do it. There's a button there. You'll find it. Uh, and I'd love to I'd love to hear from you. If there was something that was beneficial to you, make sure to share this show with your 
with your friends and neighbors and loved ones and so forth. That's how the word gets out and really appreciate you doing that. Thanks again. We'll look forward to being with you again next week. God's peace be with you.